listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Megan Burt, nationally recognized international touring singer-songwriter. I spoke with Megan at Cinder Studios, where she was working on the finishing touches of her latest album. We discussed the evolution of the recording process, how to nurture community as an artist, overcoming self-doubt on Patreon, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Megan Burt. Tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm here today with Megan Burt. Hi, Megan. Hi. How are you? What's been going on in your life lately? What you been up to? Gosh, I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, I'm kind of in full on album finishing mode lately, and summer gigs are you know the the spring summer gigs are happening so. It's been a lot of good music stuff going on. How is the album going? Where are you at? What's your release date? If, if you have one, no pressure. <laughs> uh, it's been going great. We uh, we just finished mixes and I'm in kind of round two of mastering. So um, it's it's almost done. That's so exciting. Yeah, I did a photo shoot and um, waiting for artwork. And it's kind of like that final touches. Can't believe it's actually finally done kind of. How long has the process been for you? I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's uh, four years. We spent four years on this record, which is way too long. It's way too long to work on an album. Before we go on, can you explain for our listeners what the mixing and mastering process is? Sure. Um, (laughs) I keep telling this story because it's just so funny to me. But a friend recently was, we were in a songwriting gathering and um, there was a songwriter there who hadn't made a record yet and she was asking about what mixing is and I, I I was talking about my record with a friend and my friend said you know mixing it's where you put all the tracks in the computer and then just turn the drums down <laughs> so funny um but um a little more maybe a little more complicated I wish that would make it a process that doesn't take very long I know just turn the drums down um no it's uh well, mixing, <clears throat> I think it depends who your engineer is, but essentially mixing is where you take everything that you've recorded into the computer and you adjust the levels so that everything sounds good together. In my case, the way that John McVeigh and I did this record, we saved a lot of the editing for the end too. So in the mixing, there was just a ton of a ton of editing, a ton of tuning things, a ton of EQing things. It was a pretty giant project. And the way that we recorded this record also made the mixing process giant because there are some tracks where there's like four drum kits. That's a massive it's a, undertaking. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty big 
there's a lot of production on this record. So <laughs> there was there was one song where Pro Tools, like we ran out of tracks in Pro Tools. I didn't even. I didn't. I mean, that's a lot of tracks. This is so many tracks. That's well, kind but of we exciting. Had, we had five drum kits by the end, like the way that the last song, sort of the outro builds there's five drum tracks i mean it's a lot of them are percussion but just the way how much whatever anyway so that's mixing um (laughs) and mastering is this magical thing that we all do that i think no one actually knows quite what's going on but essentially you're taking the levels of all the songs and unifying them so that so that when you listen to the radio or listen to Spotify, everything is sort of one level. That's a very basic way to say what mastering is. I don't know. Do you have anything to add to that? Um, gosh, I mean, it's tricky because I feel like like same thing like with the producer that you work with. Everybody's got their own kind of little special sauce that they like to do. But um, like, yeah, I think do you master your podcasts. I don't. That goes out to the amazing Luke, who does Luke master the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's like right. all of the the nitty gritty, like right. RMS levels, and yeah, making sure everything's at the right dB. And, right, magic, just unicorn mad computer. You know, magic. you're hearing also though, like as you're unifying those levels, you're also hearing everything in its own. Like you're you're able to hear everything as well. So it's not just like turning down the drums, which that would be also simplify the mastering <laughs> process. Great, everybody could do it. But yeah, so every little thing is shining through and yeah, and then adjusting it so that, you know, you have your industry standards so that you don't turning up and turning down the volume as right. you go through the song. Right. But it takes a long time. I mean, even four years, I mean, seems like a long time, but also in the grand scheme of things, it can take that long and depending on your budget you might only be able to do it here and there right because a lot of fits and starts you need to Mm -hmm. you should pay someone to who knows what they're doing to do it yes yeah absolutely and how many songs did you go through there's 12 which is also two songs too many for a record but hopefully i'll find a few people out there who are willing to listen to all 12 songs (laughs) I like a good long record. Like it gives you enough time to tell a story. I feel like and like I don't know. Do you listen to albums often like all the way through? Are you one of those people or are you like I'll you'll find the songs you like and then jump through? I I listen to full records. Usually when I hear about a song or an artist that I want to check out, I'll go dump their entire record into my sort of ongoing to listen to playlist and then I'll listen to a full record when I'm on a walk or doing a workout or cooking or something like that and I try to get through I mean if I if I don't love a song like I might skip it or something but I try to get through full records but I don't assume anyone else in the world does that (laughs) but it's me do you I it depends on the artist yeah right I think like I just recently listened to big thieves mm. new well it's i guess it's a year old kind of now but um and that's a pretty pretty long one to get through 
but I did listen to it like three or four times through and like the there's something about like the way that all the songs weave together that then I don't know there's some magic to that although I do have my like liked playlist that then I'll just listen to over and over and over of like my favorites right 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 that's encouraging yeah that's great yeah I think we're out there people are gonna (laughs) people are gonna listen so let's take it back to the beginning okay how did your journey of becoming a nationally recognized internationally touring singer songwriter start well I uh went to college for music um do you always know you were gonna do that I think so I always knew I wanted to go to school and study music I checked out a lot of them and when I went to Berkeley in Boston and when I went to Berkeley and I realized there was a school that just did music, just did contemporary music, it was kind of a no brainer. Like this is definitely my path. So yeah, I think I would say that I always kind of knew I wanted to do that. And then I graduated and it was kind of like, this is what I do now. There's certainly been plenty of flailing about over the last decade or so but it's kind of the only thing I've ever really done so the question then becomes just sort of like how do you find your way within within the thing as opposed to like how do you find your way to the thing kind of already found you know kind of already knew I always wanted to do this then the hard part yeah right doing the thing right yeah and after school where did you end up what was your path from Boston now back to Colorado um I I moved back to Colorado for a summer to say to work and save money and then I decided to move to the Delta to Mississippi because I wanted to study blues guitar and be Bonnie Raitt and I had this very romantic dream and um, I got to Mississippi. I was there for a month, um, got really sick, ended up having to leave. And then I sort of had to come back to Colorado because of that whole incident. And um, then I was just trying to find a job, like work, getting paid to play music. So I had submitted to this international um, booking agent and got a gig playing piano in Vietnam for four months, playing piano and singing. And I got back from that adventure and was just like, okay, how do I become a singer-songwriter? So I did what any singer-songwriter does. I had a breakup and then wrote a record. And then my career started, wrote, wrote a breakup record and, um, and just sort of started doing it, you know, sort of that rinse and repeat of write songs, record them, release them, play gigs to support the record and then do it all over again and then do it all over again and then do it all over again. (laughs) And here you are. Here I am (laughs) still doing it. (laughs) How has your way that you approach recording releasing changed from 
where you started to where you are now with this latest record? Oh gosh, it's changed a lot. Mostly because I think I've changed a lot. You learn how to make a record better and you learn about yourself with every record. I've produced a handful of records and helped people make their first records. And I always say like, just make your first record and then like get, get, get over it, like be done and make the next one because it's kind of like going to college the first time or so like no one can tell you how to do it well. You just know in hindsight what you would do differently. And so I'm still learning how to make records. I think the biggest thing I'm learning is how to let go and let the music do what it's going to do, like loosen my grasp on it. I definitely have some perfectionism that I'm working through. And um, I feel like not- we wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't be making music. I mean, every every artist I've talked to, myself included, it's like, I'll work uh, I mean the saying like you you can't beat a dead horse but it's like you can beat you. a song oh. to death and then keep going oh my forever. God. Oh yeah, you can beat a dead horse. I mean, you can beat that thing into the ground and then like build the bones up and then like yeah. beat it down again. <laughs> and then beat its ghost to the ground yeah. and then resurrect the and ghost. then resurrect yeah. the ghost and then chase the ghost and then yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of violence to be had when it comes to these things. <laughs> and so what has surprised you about these songs from when you wrote them to how how they've tr- ended up? Oh gosh, what has surprised me? I've really enjoyed watching watching them become what they are on this record. I play solo so much. Or in different configurations with a band, you know, or an ensemble that it's just really, it's just fun to see kind of where a song can land when you have this blank canvas and time and a desire to make something good. You know, it's like surprising that you could put five drum kits on a song and that there, that there is space to hold that much sound that's something I do love about production is how sort of like what goes into it and how it can how you bury sounds to add dynamic and add support I have a lot of metaphors in in my recording process of different I don't know I can't come up with something but they're always very funny like (laughs) I needed to sound like champagne drunk Mm. not like acid drunk like I like that's too drunk or you know something yeah. it's like it's fun to yeah the language yeah of sound yeah and totally how we, like cultivate the vibe of, right I always love like the I'm always like swampier I need it like swampier I don't know I just love that description because it's it's kind of the same thing like directing is you want to give an idea for someone to know what you're talking about but then also be able to come in and give their own interpretation from their own experience and maybe add something that you know their champagne drunk and your champagne drunk might be totally two vastly different experiences yeah and when you push those together it's like that's it right yeah it's a sound I love the way you describe that so eloquently yeah the language of sound it's been 
Yeah, very fun. You've won multiple awards for your songwriting. Have I? No big deal. So <laughs> what the internet told it's very you. Very blasé in my in um. my deep dive of research. <laughs> Highly touted awards. But really, no, that's it's nothing to to scoff at. I mean, it is a huge deal. You host retreats for songwriting and go to gatherings. What is your approach to storytelling through music? My approach uh, these days, I would say, is honesty. Um, just raw, vulnerable, uncomfortable honesty. I think any story comes across well if you aren't pulling any punches and you just connect to that really uncomfortable humanity place or maybe not uncomfortable but <laughs> in my case often uncomfortable um I just I just want it I want people to leave my songs thinking man you said what I felt you know or like you're saying the thing that we're all afraid to that we're all thinking but not saying out loud like that's that's really the approach I think maybe not totally what you were asking but no I mean that's that's really something I mean that's that's all you you can do I mean each, each of us individually I think that's so powerful to tell like saying things that nobody wants to say but that we all feel and we all know is true is that's a tightrope to walk yeah um I there's I don't know to me there's a lot of songs and there's only so much time in the world and there's no way all of us can hear all the songs or write all the songs or listen to all the songs and I think if we can just tell the truth as often as possible we probably have a better chance of of it all feeling good and going well yeah and breaking through yeah if if only to yourself yeah if only to yourself um how many iterations of the song do you go through before you feel like you've cracked open that kind of like honesty nut it really depends really depends um not too many always um but there is a song on the record that I was rewriting even after it was recorded. Like I, I made us re-record parts of it because it just wasn't right. And then actually in the mixing process, I had re I had forgotten this, but I had rewritten some of the chords in the second verse because they just felt like they fit what I was saying better. They were just like more honest. And we and then and then I had asked the keyboard player in overdubs to play that <laughs> and then we were mixing it and it hadn't been written that way and we had to actually like digitally change the chords of the rest of the band because I was like still rewriting the damn song all the way up until we were mixing it are you happy with where it landed after all of that yeah I think so <laughs> that's what's important thanks for thanks for asking that question <laughs> it's always tough I mean that's the other tricky part of the whole process of you hear it all together and then maybe that's really only the moment that you realize what you wanted it's such a luxury to be able to 
go back and say, no, no, no. Yeah. I hear it now that it's all together. It's this thing that's the piece. Yeah. I do think maybe for some records to come, I need to force myself in some situations where I don't necessarily have that luxury and I just have to make decisions and kind of, like I was saying earlier, kind of let go. Um, there's a double-edged sword to a luxury of of um, editing. And what is that phrase? You know, uh, records are never finished, but just abandoned. Have you heard that one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And it's good to be okay with letting it go. Yeah. Even though, I mean, you never know. Maybe that's the, the favorite and everybody's like, wow, that's perfect. Even though it's, I mean, so many artists are like, if I hated, we hated this song, making it, we hated it. And it's the one that everyone remembers. Yeah. That's usually my deal. My least favorite songs <laughs> really? are the ones people like the most. <laughs> Uh, it's not it's not for me anyway I just put it out yeah anyway in what ways does a live performance change for you because you do solo stuff that's how I first saw you you have your other band Gin- is it Ginger Bomb yes and now five drum kits who knows how you're gonna figure out (laughs) such a vibrant band for this next album what's what's the balance there what changes what do you like about both kind of versions I love playing with a band that's always my preference I have an amazing group of people that are playing with me right now on my project just like like the best of the best of the best it's just in mind-blowing and it's my favorite thing it's like the payoff like getting to play live with musicians you respect like being the worst person I always say be the worst person in your band oh my gosh absolutely and anything that I do that's that's my goal I want to be the dumbest person yeah in the room totally yep and I definitely am the weakest link and it's amazing. It's, 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 I feel like everything that I do is to get those, that hour, you know, where I get to play with the band. I love the live setting because you can't be a perfectionist. You just can't, you have to just do your best and be okay with the outcome. And, um, I don't think that I could stop performing. I think I really need it for my creative expression it's a really important part of it and and if I have the chance to play with anyone else the band the trio duo I always pick that it it's just more fun the conversation the musical conversation is more satisfying and I I get lonely I get lonely up there by myself although you know a great show with a listening audience Solo is always fun too. Um, Ginger Bomb is my fun side band, just five redheads singing rock and roll and Americana music. <laughs> um, that's super fun too. How did you get involved with the Pennsylvania State Maximum Security Prison System? Mm. And how has that experience impacted you? 
Yes, everyone. Let's I found talk this about so prison. interesting. <laughs> I mean, not just because it's prison, but it is like, I don't know, it, it like reminds me of like Marilyn Monroe or the old like, Ooh. you know, theater people who are going over to Vietnam and performing for troops or something there's there's just i don't know something very like romantic and i don't know like vintage about (laughs) the whole experience cool uh well i totally fell into it um after college um my favorite drummer of all time james downtown williams had a roommate who upon his graduation, got a job teaching music at one of the Pennsylvania state institutions. And he had said to James, like, hey, they bring in bands every once in a while. You guys should, you know, reach out and come play a gig. And we did. And um, that was 13 years ago. And it just became this annual thing that I did every December as kind of a Christmas holiday special event for the inmates and it's been a trip I have so many stories um it's it's been a really really powerful thing that I've gotten to do I didn't do it for a couple years because of COVID and uh, I kind of thought maybe I was done. Like I, that was maybe, I had closed the chapter on that and a couple of the institutions reached out last year for me to come as one-offs. And so I just flew to Pennsylvania and did it solo and typically I would book a handful of them and do it like make a tour out of it and drive the van and um have it be a tour um and I did these one-off solo and they totally just reinvigorated me and reminded me how important those shows are and just how special it is to get to play for a population of people who don't have the opportunity to see live music whenever they want and they are to date my favorite audiences I've never felt more appreciated than in those shows that's amazing yeah it is it's truly amazing it's it's I I think I get more out of it than they do I mean hard to say I can't imagine yeah the the mental toll that it takes to not be able to do what you want or, or, you know, listen. I mean, I, I'm on Spotify and absorbing music more than I breathe. Sometimes it feels like, <laughs> and so to have that live show experience, there really is something about that energy exchange and like showing up for people that makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's been really special. There have been a couple of people who, when they get out they'll find me and write me and it's really it's been really a lovely thing really grateful for it well I hope you continue to explore that and still get the same level of appreciation out of it and thank you that's just yeah 
Keep keep on going, Marilyn. That's so cool. <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about your Patreon? Oh, sure. I'd love to. What has worked for you? And what about the whole process do you feel like you're still kind of figuring out? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> um, if I'm being honest, <laughs> I think... Uh, the hardest thing about Patreon and sort of this thing that I keep needing to get over is this idea that people really do want to support me because it's such an intimate opportunity and it's such an intimate exchange. People are literally saying like, I'm going to give you money every month because I believe in you. And that that's just a hard it's just it's kind of a hard thing to be like okay like I'm worthy of that I'm deserving of that what I do has enough value that people want to do that like it's sort of the hardest part of Patreon for me is completely psychological um, and emotional honestly and so I think as I work through that um It'll probably get easier. <laughs> uh, but it's really fun. I love I love sharing. The, the part about it that I love is also knowing that there's a community of people that support what I do enough to want to do it or to want to give me money every month to do what I do. And so it's really fun for me to give exclusive things on there. And I do all the time. Like I yesterday posted um a sneak peek of the new record no one else has heard it yet and it's really great to know that there's people who want what I have to give as opposed to sort of just like shouting it out to the internet and being like hey does anyone care out there like it's amazing to know I have a group of people who definitely care and who I can communicate with on that level is really 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 profound Do you have a process for what you share exclusively or do you find yourself like you have to keep up with the schedule? Like, are there any, I don't know, like, do you feel obligated at times to do stuff or is it very much just like, here's my brain, I'm going to open it and like share it with you people who care enough to, to see it? I try to follow a schedule and, um, am not hundred percent on that um, success rate but yeah I try to follow a schedule just you know to make sure I'm posting something regularly and I just make sure that it's something that no one that I'm never going to post on the internet like I really do post things on there that no one else sees so yeah I think I'm always kind of exploring how vulnerable to be being vulnerable in songs is never hard for me, but being vulnerable in every other way really is. I don't, I'm not like the most open book. I wish I could just tell everyone, just if you want to know, just listen to my lyrics, you know, <laughs> it'll tell you everything you need to know. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a, an ongoing, an ongoing adventure, me and Patreon. 
<laughs> For those of you listening who would like access to this exclusive, vulnerable, amazing <laughs> content, we'll put the link in our show notes. But definitely think about it. It's a great way to connect with artists that you appreciate and who doesn't love a good sneak peek. You've performed... I'm not going to go through the list because it's it's amazing. You've had an amazing, su- amazingly successful career. You've toured all over. You've opened for heavy hitters, really big names. What for you is the biggest triumph and the biggest challenge about your musical career so far? These questions, Lily, you're really... We're not taking it easy. Yeah. No. Like we have Megan Burt in the studio <laughs> turn the interrogation I, light on yeah i, w- I should have gotten <laughs> these questions beforehand could have really simmered on with some of this I, I might say the biggest triumph is that i'm still doing it yeah i mean i've certainly had some really cool wins you know playing with the symphony was mind-blowing playing red rocks was was mind-blowing last year we did we played main stage at Rocky Mountain Folks Fest and that was such a bucket list gig for me so and and so those are all great things you know and I think it's just like like holding on to hope and belief that I can continue to check things off the bucket list that I am not getting too old for people to care and that I can just keep doing what I love and and that people want to hear what I'm doing that that feels pretty triumphant these days oh yeah that is a huge triumph yeah keep going yeah keep growing yeah that's yeah Tift Merritt is an, an artist that I love and posted this whole thing about just getting older as a songwriter and that just what that feels like she's such a poet in her speech and so I'm just botching this but it just kind of about like shouldn't it be that the older you get the more wise you are and like you're writing the best songs of your life because of all this perspective you have and yet it just feels like you're playing a young person's game and it's really interesting sort of watching myself move through transitions of my life and what it was like in my 20s and now sort of just assessing what it all means for me and like what what do I want out of it when sort of those 20 year old dreams maybe didn't come true and like just try like finding your place in all of it so I'm just trying to sort of manage my expectations hang on to hope and just keep trying to like be the best version of myself and let that be enough and whatever follows from that is really great that's a great aspiration to have I think (laughs) that's that's all we can hope for right and I think that that is true I think the older you get I mean your your quality your perspective everything your your ability to be honest and vulnerable hopefully increases um but it is a balance of like TikTok and Instagram and finding your way and not caring that you're not, you know, the the viral hit of the week or whatever that's going around and knowing that it's still valuable. Yeah, I've always kind of felt like I've been on the long game. And I was never one of those musicians or songwriters that was like, 
the buzzy, you know, like I can steadily see my progress as an artist as the time passes. And I've just dedicated myself to this thing. Just like I signed up for it. Like I'm, this is what I'm doing. And I'm just going to keep watching myself get better and sort of (laughs) let the industry chips fall where they are around my growth a little bit yeah yeah very bonnie rate mm. yes. you're on a you're Thank i think you. even though you went to the south to to start out there i think you're ending up closer than <laughs> you might have expected oh, we could all be so lucky to be be bonnie rate <laughs> what does community mean to you as an artist i uh i I love being part of a community. It's really been important for me and I've I it means everything. I really need it and I find ways to immerse myself in it often. Um I think we need each other to be accountable to ourselves and accountable to each other. I think we're there there's sort of this we're all in this community of musicians kind of growing up together and building each other up and and yeah it's we we need we need each other to to do to figure this out and to just not feel lonely in it what are some ways that you found that have helped your circle of that community grow or evolve as you've gone on this journey i um co-host a women's songwriting retreat outside of texas every year and that has been such an amazing community that I've just been so grateful for to come together once a year and write songs and kind of grow up together. Um, I host a monthly songwriting accountability group where you just have to have a new song. You come play. It's not a feedback group. It's just a, you got to write a new song to come. I joke that I selfish, selfishly started that group because I needed my peers to be accountable to in my songwriting and I've been part of tons of songwriting groups over the years both ones that I've hosted and ones that I've been part of and you know I was just having a conversation this morning with somebody about how nothing is more inspiring than seeing a live show watching people do the thing that you love to do or that you want to be better at so yeah I, I I'm I'm consistently trying to find ways to be involved in community and and I think it's all just you know really for myself to be (laughs) I mean there's a lot more to it but but really it just helps me be accountable feel like I'm not doing this alone and yeah I do a lot of co-writing no better way to get a song done than to be in a room with someone else that you love and respect who's looking at you like what next <laughs> you're like come on brain yeah um you know being a leader of a band of two bands you know it's like i don't know i just feel like i'm these are my people and i would just want to be around my people all the time that's beautiful that's a great way to make music and <laughs> it's no one day away your audience gets so much too out of the live show experience and the record and I think that definitely like comes through when you just have that vibe that you just 
You love what you do and you love the people that you do it with. Thanks. That makes a difference too. What has your experience with Sonic Guild been? How did you hear about them? How did you get involved? Great question. Well, um, it must have been... I'm trying to remember because I have a ton of Texas friends who are have been grant recipients and I'm trying to remember if I think I knew about Sonic Guild as formerly Black Fret because a lot of my Texas friends uh, were have been um, grant recipients and then Sonic Guild came to Colorado and I loved sort of those first gatherings talking to Danny Grant about Sonic Guild coming to Colorado and that (laughs) Sonic Guild's other cities were like cities like Austin, Seattle and that Danny was like no we're just like Colorado we we just the whole state or the whole front range or was something I just really appreciated that I don't know where that idea came from but I heard it from Danny Grant that it was like this why is, limit it to yeah, just why limit it to Fort Collins or Denver or, or Colorado Springs or whatever like there's a thriving music scene in Colorado and and let's just support everyone which is so on board with how I feel about it it's like we're all on this ship rising the tide together any advice to artists just starting out or maybe on the precipice of they want to do it but they maybe are feeling a little overwhelmed or scared to, to, I guess, jump off the cliff <laughs> better. Yeah. Lack of a better imagery. Gosh, I want to have just the perfect nugget of advice to give you. And I'm going to think of something that will suffice here momentarily, but I, it just kind of feels like the doing it is really how you learn how to do it. There's so much building of self that comes with a music career and putting yourself out there and getting your heart broken and getting your expectations trampled and having these huge dreams and having the bravery to dream and then things not working out the way that you thought and and sort of watching yourself become who you are within all of that leap and crash just crash bang boom and then you pick yourself up and then you leap again and it's like it's like being in Mario's like we are the epitome of like Mario brothers it's just like a constant jumping off cliff and a constant crash and I don't know if there's advice to give to avoid that like I think you just have to kind of willing be willing to ride that wave and that roller coaster and know that you are going to find a version of yourself that you're so proud of at the other end of that. So if not advice, maybe it's just a promise that if you are willing to leap and crash and leap and crash and leap and crash and leap and crash, you will land on a version of yourself that is so much more profound and beautiful and um, exciting and satisfying than the person that you would have been if you didn't do that. I love that. Not an advice, but a promise 
And I think you're absolutely right. And I hope that you feel that about yourself now after <laughs> all of your experiences and explorations. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Very best of luck wrapping up the album. Thank you. And we'll put a link in our show notes so that our listeners can find when it's going to come out and and buy it when it comes out you all hopefully that's a that's a threat not a no just kidding. <laughs> buy the album and it's been such a pleasure talking to you you too thank you so much for having me We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Check out the links in our show notes to experience Megan Burt's music and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado.